Hi, everybody, and welcome to the May 5th, 2017 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us, and happy Cinco de Mayo. Let's get a quick take on a, quick take on a poll released this week showing Colorado voters being more likely to support Democratic candidates for Congress, especially among independent voters. The statewide Magellan Strategies poll also revealed that the approval rating of President Trump's first few months in office is at 47% among Colorado's voters compared to 42% nationwide. Patty Calhoun from Westward, this seemed like the quintessential Colorado poll. Generic Democrats versus generic Republicans were doing far better, and at the same time, Trump polling 5% better than the rest of the nation. I didn't get it. What did you take away from this poll? And, of course, Trump is doing better than he did here during the November election. <laughs> what I took from this poll is what we all should have taken from polls last October, which is they don't mean much. And if you are counting on them to predict what's going to happen in an election, you're going to be very surprised. It's, it is not a huge surprise that independents would say they might lean Democratic in the congressional races, but... It's, it depends on the candidate, and we've seen some really unusual candidates from both parties who can quickly swing voters the other direction. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Were you surprised to see anybody, let alone Magellan Strategies, investing in a poll this early into the season? No, because that's part of how they, they get their name out, among other things. Um, it's normal in American politics. It's part of our inherent checks and balances is when one party wins the presidency, then the other side tends to get more energized and they often uh, do well in the, in the next congressional elections. We saw that uh, with Obama in, in 2010, with Bill Clinton in, in 1994, and Reagan in, in 1982, and, and on and on. Um, it's a little surprising that Trump's more popular in Colorado than nationwide because it's not his demographic on the whole. But there's, there's other, on one of the surprising things in the national poll is he's more popular with Hispanics by three points than he is with the general population. People didn't predict that one either. I will say one good thing in the Magellan poll was the, a question that the Independence Institute paid to have included, which is our proposal uh, to fix our roads without raising taxes and just by spending the enormous budget Colorado already has. And that was uh, favored by the voters by a 30-point margin. Eric Sonnen, political analyst, they, for, when it came to congressional candidates, they used generic Democrat versus generic Republican. So we know that it's far different once we get to next year. But if you're either a potential Democratic uh, candidate or a Republican incumbent in Colorado, do you take anything away from this poll that changes your strategy or at least makes you feel better or worse? I don't probably take anything away from this poll that I didn't know in my bones anyway as a potential Democratic candidate or as a vulnerable Republican incumbent, which is that 2018 could very well, still a long ways away, but could very well be a problematic year for Republicans. David pointed out, well, the party in power in the White House typically has a rough off year. Ask Barack Obama about his two off year elections in 2010 and again in 2014. It is tough territory. Donald Trump has defied all other rules. We'll see if he defies this one. 
He might defy it in a way that it's not as tough for the Republican Party. He might defy it in a way that it is disastrous. And there are a lot of Democrats uh, betting on the latter, but they were also making bets in 2016 that. Uh, did not come to fruition. We do not run generic races for Congress. We run races between real live flesh and blood candidates. Last thing I'd say, Dominic, is I don't know what the sample size on this poll was. I'm surmising it was 400 or 500 total sample. You divide that into seven congressional districts, so maybe you have 60 or 70 people per congressional district. Pretty small sample, pretty high margin of error. I'm not putting a lot of stock in this one. And Justine Sandoval, political activist, ran out of the panel. Uh, President Trump pulling 5% higher in Colorado, at least according to this poll, than the rest of the nation. Surprised? Uh, I actually am surprised. Well, let me take that back. Nothing surprises me anymore. Everything is just <laughs> so crazy, especially in this state. What I find it's going to be very interesting is having an open primary uh, this election cycle and how we're going to deal with that because... You know, we can get some pretty interesting characters with independents being the largest voting bloc here in Colorado. It'll be interesting to see who gets nominated on each side and how that essentially plays out. Because right now, Democrats could be polling stronger to be elected, but depending on who gets nominated for those seats could really change the way voters go in Colorado. Following a home explosion that killed two people in April, Governor John Hickenlooper has ordered an inspection of thousands of wells and pipelines throughout the state of Colorado. Within 30 days, inspectors must examine and test oil and gas flow lines within 1,000 feet of occupied buildings to guarantee safety and whether they are properly functioning. Patty, this didn't really have anything directly to do with fracking because this was uh, just a, a line that was cut and it was more about development. But do you think this situation will affect the fracking argument here in Colorado. Well, people use fracking and oil and gas exploration interchangeably in Colorado. And we had talked earlier this year about the fact that this was going to, the environment was going to be a hot button issue this year, given what's going on with Trump and in the interior, the EPA, and also that it looked like oil and gas companies were going to be in a very positive environment for them. Now we have a literal setback for um, oil and gas companies. You know, they'd been fighting to be able to drill closer to schools, closer to homes, and now we are going to have legislation that was just proposed yesterday to make sure the public documents that Hickenlooper wants people to have access to, that they will be able to have access. There's an independent federal team, the U.S. Chemical Safety Board, coming in to investigate what went on. So we're going to hear a lot about this for a long time, even though by all accounts it was a perfect storm of weird thing after weird thing after weird thing that would allow this to happen. The fact remains that Anadarko did not cap that well the way they needed to, and as a result, two people are dead. David, uh, fractivists is just the term seemed to have a pretty poor 2016. Amendment 71 passed, which is going to be hard to put any amendment on the, in the Constitution. Uh, they didn't put any sort of issues on a statewide ballot, uh, even though we thought, I mean, two years before, we thought there was going to be 11 of them. Does this give new energy to that movement in Colorado that has seen an uptick in years past? Well, uh, uh, sure. As one of the reasons there was a, a march a couple of weeks ago was uh, the march for science was because there are so many people who are willfully ignorant of science and, in fact, hostile to it. And people who say, well, because, you know, this oil, this line delivering energy to a residence had a leak in it and that caused an explosion, that that shows that... Therefore, it's too dangerous to do fracking, which is something that occurs thousands of feet underground. 
there's no relation between the one and the other, you know, except in the sense that fracking happens to be the most economical way to get energy buried deep beneath the earth up, up to the surface so we can use it. You know, if people are so afraid of natural uh, energy, like uh, gas or oil, buy a house without a without a hookup. Then you won't have to have the problem. You know, go go run your house on solar and, and windmills or whatever else you you, you think you can, uh, and and don't have those lines coming into your home. The governor, of course, is right that the transmission lines, which deliver clean energy like natural gas to our homes need to be inspected and made safe and this was an, an old line that you know wasn't being watched and, and we we should watch all of those things uh, but it, it's it's nothing to do with fracking and it's everything to do with keeping our, our surface infrastructure for energy distribution in, in good shape Eric you often speak of the optics of a situation as you look at this and we talked about how this really they don't necessarily relate to each other but what's the optics of the situation tell you Oh, it was a horrific incident, and, uh, you know, it's front page of the paper. We're talking about it as topic number one on this program. Obviously, the uh, commercial TV stations have been all over it. Uh, so, uh, as you would expect, and as, as the story should be covered, uh, a, f a family doing nothing wrong or whatever, all of a sudden, uh, a home is decimated. Uh, so, the optics are awful. And politicians respond to optics. John Hickenlooper is responding. I think it's probably an appropriate response, uh, creating quite a workload for the people doing the inspections, but an appropriate response. Uh, to David's point, I think David missed the memo that it wasn't the March for Science. It was the March for Science when science confirms my pre-existing opinion on a certain issue. It was a longer title. It right. was a longer title. So I guess it was just abbreviated to March for, Mar March for Science. There is so much emotion around this issue, and there are people who very reasonably and appropriately want appropriate regulation on fracking activity, and particularly as fracking moves closer and closer to homes, to some subdivisions, to schools, to development. Uh, but then you have the agenda being so much driven by, to use David's phrase, fractivists, or you know, the, the very activist part of that community that just takes in a horrific incident like this, but then just blows it up, excuse the pun, loses perspective. I saw an article this morning of some community orchestra in Boulder that had the nerve to take a few thousand dollars of oil and gas money to support some concert this weekend. And, you know, there are demonstrations now that you have to return the money and renounce the sponsorship and all that. And oil and gas, it is how we live our lives, and it is also a major economic player in this state. Uh, and some people just refuse to accept that as a fact of life. It is a fact of life. It may not be a fact of life 100 years from now, but it's going to be a fact of life for the rest of our lifetimes and Miss Sandoval's lifetime as well, who's a bit younger than us. <laughs> well, speaking of Miss Sandoval, Justine, we, we talked about the 2018 campaign. We're going to have some statewide races, governor and uh, the, the whole slate there. And you have that, con you always had a conflict between rural voters and urban voters. But on this issue, it's really split. You have people in the middle of urban areas that don't want to well anywhere near them. See an event like this and say, oh my gosh, we need to do something about this. Even if it has nothing to do with fracking, it, it still raises that emotional uh, scale. And then a rural voters that are saying, hey, some of this is really our livelihood since we can't make everything else work all the time. 
Do you think this will be a bigger deal as we get down the road because these statewide campaigns? Um, I definitely think it will be a bigger deal than it already is. And I know a lot of my environmental friends might not agree with me right now, but oil and gas is an integral part of Colorado's economy, and it's here to stay, and it's part of our infrastructure. Um, as we continue to grow and build, and we build more homes near gas lines that were there before, you know, a lot of this growth in Colorado, we have to take precautions. I think the governor was right to um, call for these reports and to really look at a lot of these gas lines that have been ignored. A lot of them haven't been documented or mapped out or they haven't, they don't even know where some of these lines are. So I think that it's important now that we start to take proactive solutions to kind of curving some of the fears that people have when it comes to oil and gas, especially as people start to live closer and closer to these wells. So I definitely think it'll be a bigger issue, um, especially as those communities grow and we'll have to see how that really plays out. Colorado lawmakers announced on Thursday a major compromise surrounding the hospital provider fee. The fee will be reclassified, replacing a cut of over $500 million of hospital funding. But the bill includes a tax break for small businesses, road construction funds, and adjustments to Medicaid copays. David, this has been described as a capitulation from Republicans in some quarters, and in some quarters say they actually made out like bandits in the, in the, in the negotiations with Democrats. What do you feel? Well, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations compared to how the U.S. House Republicans did in that ridiculous budget deal with the Democrats where the score was about 95 to 5 on who got what. Uh, the, the Colorado Republicans came out much better. That's more like a 70-30 deal in favor of the Democrats. So they're uh, six times better negotiators than their uh, congressional counterparts. The whole thing is if we followed our state constitution, unconstitutional. The Taxpayer's Bill of Rights says that we have limits on the growth of government spending, except when you ask the taxpayers. And then, of course, you can grow it as, increase as much as you want when the taxpayers say so. But enterprises don't count. So if you have a, the municipal golf course takes, gets less than 10% of its money from general taxes, it gets its income by charging people to pay golf, you know, renting out its banquet room, things like that. You can call that an enterprise, and so you take the golf course revenues outside of the, the city budget. That's fine. And that's what's in the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. This hospital provider fee is not something like that, where people are paying a quasi, a, some kind of actual enterprise for a service. It is simply a tax that is used for social welfare purposes and putting it off budget is a violation of the text of our constitution but it's not a violation of what the how the Colorado Supreme Court has aggressively nullified much of the taxpayers bill of rights by basically saying oh whenever the legislature calls something a fee like you know your the, the fee for if the rec center raises its price for towels, towel rentals from 50 cents to 75 cents, you don't need to ask the voters. And so we can uh, move this out of the budget by calling it a fee instead of tax revenue. And the Colorado Supreme Court says, oh, anytime the legislature says that's a fee, that's conclusive. So if the legislature says, I am actually a tall, beautiful uh, Eskimo woman, by the Colorado Supreme Court, well, since the state legislature said so, it must be true. And this is a fee in that same kind of sense. 
Eric, you've been asked to follow a lot of random points that uh, David might make, whether it be a French philosopher or Latin American dictator, but Tall Eskimo Woman is going to be a brand new one for you, so good luck with this. Uh, I'll ask you this question. Uh, you, you, we're seeing uh, conservatives having a, a both good and bad week when it comes to Tabor. The lawsuit came through that, uh, well, actually the lawsuit was dismissed. That was against Tabor, so that was a victory. But in this, a lot of folks who back Tabor are saying this was just an, another problem or an, another way to get around it. Um, what do you think, at, at the end of the day, this is for Colorado uh, when it comes to the budget? I think, given the cards the legislature was handed this year, it is a, a salvage operation on this session. I mean, this session was going nowhere. Uh, it is a pretty comprehensive and massive compromise. As with any compromise, there are plenty of Democrats who are upset that they gave away too much, and there are plenty of Republicans who think they gave away too much. Maybe some people were reading Donald Trump's Art of the Deal, uh, but it is, you know, it was a deal here, and both sides had to put some, some real skin on the table here. I don't know what we're going to do for topics around this table now if somebody takes hospital provider fee, which is obviously an eye-glazing term, uh, away from us, but maybe that issue uh, finally goes away here. I think the real point, Dominic, is it points to we're, we're so fixated in this state and in this country on the red-blue divide. But there are other political divides as well. And there is a real urban-rural divide as well. And this was the rural part of Colorado really asserting itself, and particularly asserting itself within the Republican caucus, where obviously they have much more influence than they have within the Democratic caucus, and saying that their needs were not being served by some of the rigid ideology that a lot of urban or suburban Republicans were espousing and the lines that they were drawing. So this was, to my thinking, significantly a victory for the rural lobby in the state and for rural Colorado. Justine, we talked about the Republican point of view. Give me the Democratic point of view. Did Democrats give too much up for this deal? Um, personally, I don't. I think that it was a good compromise. I think that we spend a lot of money. We have some of the highest expenses in the country for health care, and we don't. We don't have a large budget, despite what a lot of people think. I think that we have to do the best that we can with what we have. And for now, the compromise worked. I know a lot of people aren't happy, you know, to give up a lot of what they wanted. But for for now, I think that this was a good compromise. Patty, what's the average Colorado going to take away from this moment? They're going to be relieved that they are not going to have to hear another hospital provider fee discussion or us attempt to explain it. If this deal goes through, I mean, the budget had already moved to Hickenlooper's desk, but this kind of fixes some of the problems that are in the budget. But we still have four days in which things, three days by the time this airs, in which things could get screwed up. Not only are we not going to be talking about the hospital provider fee, but it looks like the construction defect mm -hmm. bill has gone through. We're not going to have to talk about that until we discover maybe it doesn't work. And that's going to be something we're really going to have to follow. But when you talk about optics, Eric's right on this. You went to the hospital, and they went to the hospital in Hugo, and you look at what it means to Hugo, not 10 miles from Lyman, to have a hospital, what the cuts would have meant to that hospital and the rural plains. And you could see that they were like, we don't care what you want to call it. It had passed before. You know, Ritter had put the hospital provider fee in play years ago. Now it's part, it's, it's worked this budget through. They're going to get their money. 
The U.S. United States House voted 217 to 213 on Thursday to repeal and replace the Affordable Health Care Act. Among Colorado's Republican lawmakers, Scott Tipton, Doug Lamborn, and Ken Buck all voted yes, while Mike Kaufman was the only Republican no vote from Colorado. The bill now goes to the U.S. Senate for a likely overhaul. Eric, we need a quick take on this one, but uh, do you think Kaufman's no vote now expunges his previous yes vote? Or potential yes vote, rather. Well, ask John Kerry about the yes and no and what you did one before the other. Probably not. I mean, they'll certainly use it against him in the campaign. It is not lost on me that out of, you know, s seven Colorado members of Congress, they all adhere to their party line with the exception of Kaufman. And Kaufman is probably the only one of them who is vulnerable. That is not happenstance here. I know we have a quick take here. There is so much wrong with this package. There's so much wrong with Obamacare as well. The notion of Democrats you know, wanting to die on the sword of Obamacare has everything fixed. Obamacare is desperately in need of its own fix. The question is whether this is the fix. The, the Republican victory lap in the Rose Garden yesterday I thought was in unseemly. I think it's going to go down with the George W. Bush uh, mission accomplished. I saw uh, your tweet on that. That was a, good. A speech <laughs> on, uh, on the aircraft carrier, speaking of premature. The Senate will ultimately be where this gets hashed out, and hopefully it will be a more thoughtful, deliberate process than in the House. Justine, Nancy Pelosi seemed to relish the opportunity to bludgeon Republicans with this uh, situation. Is she counting her chickens too early? Um, yes, but <laughs> I mean, in this situation, I, I actually think that right now, uh, I agree with Eric that the Republican victory lap is premature in this situation. Um, it's it's the people don't want it and it'll be interesting to see the backlash on the GOP for this vote in the house um, with this package I think that a lot of us need to come together in the states and talk and convince our congressmen to be able to pass something that actually helps people people want health care and this idea of repealing health care isn't going to fly we have to figure it out Obamacare isn't perfect but this package that they've just put up forward now is horrendous in comparison Patty, we often talk about how Republicans and Democrats have trouble getting along but at this point it might just be Republicans in the Senate versus Republicans in the House getting along can that piece be made Oh, not not over this bill. And, you know, Kaufman took a position that the senator, senators are beginning to take too, which is they they didn't even figure out the financial ramifications of this bill. They ha it hadn't gone through the congressional budget office, and without that, what was the hurry? I mean, that's what the Senate is going to be able to pick apart. They tried to figure out could the pre-existing conditions, but again, we don't know how much that's going to cost. So it was a definitely hasty vote. Dave, wrap it up for us. Obamacare help, hurt many more people than it helped. Oh, there's so many people who believed the president when he said, if you like your plan, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. They've lost them. There are tens of millions of people who now their miserable Obamacare health insurance, so-called, is you spend $15,000 a year in premiums and then 13000 in deductibles. So you've basically, it's the cost of a mortgage before you get a penny uh, of assistance in, in medical health. That's a defective system. It's got to be changed. Does this do it? It makes some progress, at least on two things. First of all, it raises the contributions for health savings accounts, which is where you just put your own pre-tax money in, and you can take it out for out-of-pocket medical expenses without going through all the hassle of insurance billing and everything else. Secondly, it allows states to 
put work requirements on able-bodied adults who are on Medicaid. A quarter of the Colorado population is on Medicaid. It's fair that there be a work requirement or a requirement that you be seeking work or training for jobs uh, if you're on that form of welfare. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Patty, please start us off. Coloradans, and especially Denverites, have been talking for years about some kind of parking solution, but even some kind of parking discussion. So City Council came up with a compromise approval with parking needs for very small lots, but that is only part of what we really need to discuss. We're, we're like River City, where Harold Hill is teaching us the think way to park, which is people <laughs> in southwest Denver who are nowhere near a bus line, certainly nowhere near a light rail. They just have to think their way downtown because they're not going to be able to drive and park. David. The ultra-fundamentalists among the global warming sect who are science deniers, uh, Brett Stevens a, wrote a column in the New York Times which said man-made global warming is definitely a real thing and we should do something about it, but we should be thoughtful about what kind of solutions are cost-effective and what's really working and what's the scale of that. And they, the, uh, the science deniers lit their hair on fire uh, for, because he had the temerity to, to challenge their extremist orthodoxy. It's like when this, this same group persecuted CU professor Roger Pilkey, who's been promoting action on global warming since the 1980s, but Pilkey says global warming's bad, but it doesn't cause extreme weather events, based, which is his, happens to be his area of expertise. They couldn't handle the science. Eric. Well, there's plenty wrong with people who are in Washington, but let's talk about somebody who resurfaced this week who is not currently in Washington, that being Hillary Clinton. What a tearjerker of a reappearance. What a reminder of why the country really, despite all the advantages she had in that election, why they voted against her. Yes, I understand popular vote, but why she still lost the election. Um, and what a lack of personal responsibility. You can, historians will argue about what James Comey did, but let's not make a mistake. It was still Hillary Clinton who had the private email server and who refused to come clean about it. Please, 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 just go away. Justine. So disgrace is always kind of a harsh word. So this is more of my public service announcement of the week. But um, it's about the corporatization of Cinco de Mayo here. So it's, I want to remind people that the roots of the celebration here in the United States really come down to Denver, where a lot of it started. And it's not just a beer-sponsored party in the park. So I want to encourage people to really do better job, especially next year, in talking about the rich history of the Chicano culture, especially here in Colorado. Not just a corona ad. Yes. Makes sense. Uh, let's say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty? The Denver Commission on Cultural Affairs, which denied the airport's request to deaccession the Michael Singer sculpture at Concourse C. David? America's unique form of cultural assimilation, uh, of which Cinco de Mayo has, has certainly become an example. You know, in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day used to be a holy day of obligation where you go to church to think about how St. Patrick came over and began the Christianization of Ireland. It was not a day where the main object is to get totally blotto on green beer, but that's how part of how America assimilated uh, its large Irish immigrant population. Come to America, we'll make your holidays a party. Yeah. Eric. We lost a political leader this week, uh, former Congressman Ray Kogosik from Pueblo and the southern part of the state. Ray did a great job of combining not only a, a strong brain, but he was one of those politicians who really led with his heart and his soul as a legislative leader, then a longtime member of Congress, and the state is poorer for his loss. Justine. 
Um, I want to give a shout out to all the legislative staff now that session is on its way out um, for dealing with 120 days of madness and doing their part to help us try to make our state function every year. I want to give a special uh, say some nice shout out to all of our Uber fans out there. We hear from you, whether it's Tim or Kevin or the many others. Thank you for watching the show and for voicing your support or calling us out when there's something wrong. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks for tuning in. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night. Thank mm -hmm. you.